is the Storymobile podcast. We are a solar-powered moving art space that travels to events and through neighborhoods to collect your stories. The St. Paul Almanac book was created in 2005 and has since been released annually. The goal is to bring together the diverse community of St. Paul through literary arts. The Almanac is a meeting place for sharing stories and artwork of our community. This year, the St. Paul Almanac released their 11th volume, On a Collected Path. As part of a reading festival, authors have gathered at various venues throughout St. Paul to read their fabulous work. On Sunday, April 23rd, the bookstore Subtext Books hosted these amazing authors, and here they are reading their great work. Our next reader is Michael Murphy. There's Michael. Okay. Michael Murphy is retired after a 30-year career in international business law at Medtronic and the Fagre Law Firm in Minneapolis. Before he became a lawyer, Mr. Murphy taught English at St. Olaf and McAllister Colleges. In retirement, he has been teaching a seminar on the law in literature at the University of St. Thomas Law School and writing poetry. Sounds like a nice retirement. <laughs> Welcome, Michael. Uh, I would also like to thank the editors um, of the Almanac for including my poem uh, in such good company in that wonderful book. Uh, and uh, the, the, the poem that I'm going to read today that it was uh, included in this issue of the Almanac is called uh, Diane of a Thousand Dreams. And it's on page 126 of the, of the uh, issue. Um, and uh, just a word about Diane of a Thousand Dreams. It's, it's one of a collection of poems that I've been writing in recent years in my retirement, when you have time to do these things. Um, and uh, they're, they're memory poems about uh, my growing up years in Crocus Hill. And the name of the book that they're included in is called The Songs of Crocus Hill. And these are memory poems in the sense that I've gone back and, and um, um, brought back uh, memories of people, places, experiences that I had at various stages of my life. And, and instead of memoirs, I put them in the form of poems. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And I've also um, uh, collected them in a, in a, in a uh, they're organized in a sort of a sequence, a chronological sequence, so that the voice in each of the poems progresses in age as you go through the book. Uh, they start with uh, uh, a preschool uh, child and, and imagining experiences that the, that age person would have to grade school and high school, adulthood and beyond. Uh, Diane of a Thousand Dreams finds uh, the voice of uh, uh, a young man, probably 16 years old. He's old enough to drive a delivery truck. He's also old enough now to be very interested in girls, and um, flatters himself to hope that maybe they would be interested in him too. But we'll see. This is Diane of a Thousand Dreams. Crew cut Tony in his jeans, white t-shirt, pack of luckies tucked in at his left shoulder, loads customer groceries into his cornflower blue delivery truck alongside Supernix Foods at the corner of Hamlin and Grand. He sets his route to stop last at Manitou Point, Diane Richardson's house, 
across the bay from the White Bear Yacht Club. Diane of a Thousand Dreams drifts in her white two-piece on a raft in an azure pool overlooking Bel Air Bay. She beckons Tony to the side of the pool, asks for a cigarette, fixes him with her indigo eyes. He lights a lucky, hands it into her wet fingers, leaves his hand on her raft. Your move, Diane. <laughs> Diane of a Thousand Dreams makes her move. She pushes her raft back out into the pool, turns her indigo eyes off toward the bay where white sails court one another across the periwinkle water. And as if calling to a pool boy for another drink, she says to Tony in her contralto voice, your brother, Tony, tell your sorry brother I'm still waiting for his call. <laughs> Since I was told I had time to maybe read two of these poems, so I'll read another one. Uh, this one is called Carl Wolf, and uh, it will uh, explain itself, I hope. His Crocus Hill custom required more of Carl Wolf than the mending and hemming of clothes. Carl was a listener, a safe keeper of secrets who dwelt in the confessional darkness of his shop at Grand and Oxford across from Vince's Pure Oil. His eyes, those of a bird wary of predators from the sky. His head, a tonsured Saxon monk's. Would he say so little for shame of his immigrant English, or for the threads he'd always be cutting with his teeth. No one cared, as long as no one but Carl was listening. Could you fix her high school uniform so she won't show till June? You'd know best who'd need my Robert's clothes. But what of Carl? Where was he to take his secrets, his screaming dreams of crematoria? Not to his wife, not to his daughter, or to his son. They'd stayed behind in the indistinguishable ashes of his house in Dresden. So where was Carl to go, if not to the hard promise of a song let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if ever I should forget you. To hear more stories, learn more about Storymobile, and to find out where we'll be pedaling off to next, visit storymobile.org.